Well, at this time, I'm excited to invite uh, Craig Groshans to the platform. Let's give him a hand. Craig is a friend of mine. (laughs) Before I actually give him the mic, I want to just say that he's been such a blessing to my personal family. Craig uh, does uh, ministry all over the world, and uh, he does a lot online in a lot of counseling, a lot of encouraging, a lot of just uh, life plans. Uh, he comes against uh, what is called the core lie in people's lives that a lot of times holds them back from being all that God created them to be. And uh, Craig has blessed me. And, and I just want to be transparent in giving him credibility. Um, Craig is one of those guys that loves God so much that it's evident on his life. That's first and foremost. But, you know, th- there's something about Craig that uh, he just talks to me. And, and the first time that I met him, and the first three times, I, I never even saw his face. It was on a phone call. And Craig is one of those guys that God uses that, you know, he, we're just talking. We're just talking. And he says, hey, hey, I, I want to talk about something you just said a few minutes ago. And I say, well, Craig, I've talked about a lot of things, and I, I don't really want to talk about that thing that you just. And by the end of the conversation, he's got right to the core of the core. And that's how God has used Craig. So I've encouraged Craig. I said, Craig, would you come speak at our church? Craig has spoke before at our church and and done a wonderful job. Let's give him another hand as he gives the word of God. Thank you, John. Love you. Love you, John. Love your family. Love this house. Going to miss you guys. I'm going to be moving soon, so that, you know, I've told a couple people, I forget, I don't know who exactly I've told completely. So it's, it's important, uh, the timing of this is really important to me to be here speaking today. I don't know how quick it's going to happen. We put our house up on the market yesterday, and so as soon as we go to contract, there'll be 30 days we have to, to be on our way to the mountains in Colorado. So, uh, yeah, this, this past summer, just that, that did it for my wife. It was... She's from Siberia, so she's not designed for this type of weather, you know. But, uh, but the, Lord, the Lord was moving us in that direction. Even the first day that I landed here in Texas, the very first day, it was in Denton. And uh, the final destination point, I drove from New York to here in two days. And the destination point was Colorado Avenue. And when I looked at that, the Lord said, and you will live in Colorado one day. I said, hmm, that's interesting. And it's eight years ago, so uh, so now's the time. And uh, I was just listening to the worship this morning. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit speaks through that and just, I mean, and, and speaks to every single person? Uh, God just amazes me constantly. Uh, just constantly like a child in awe of God. Can you not be in awe of him? He reaches every single person in the room deeply, right? How does he do that? How, how is it that he loves us all equally, but when he's with us, he makes us feel like we're the only ones he ever loved? How does he do that, man, you know? And he was doing that for me this morning. I was sitting here, and, and the worship, it was almost like just for me. It was just, everything was in there, you know? Um... You laid down your life, uh, talking about connecting to what I the the message that's on my heart today. Um, 
because when I realized that Jesus so, that, that he laid his life down for me, it so impacted my life that I wanted to lay my life down in return. There was, like, there was not a question for me. You know, when I, when I came to know Jesus, the truth of who he is, it was like, it's always been you. Even when I didn't know it was you, it was you. And you didn't care that I didn't know that it was, that it was you. And you didn't care when I even spit on your name. And you still loved me, and you still chased me down, and you still rescued me, and you still saved me, and you still healed me, and you still delivered me. Even, even before I knew it was you, it was you. Now that I know it's you, what else is there? You understand? So this is what I'm thinking of, like, you laid your life down, right? And I'm turning into a puddle in the front, right? Ah, Jesus, you know? This is a good one. Um, and then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The house that, I, that he moved me into here in, uh, over in Eulis is 413, uh, the house number, which is Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then the car that I bought while I was living there, the license plate was 413. So I was like, man, you're just really trying to drill this one in, Lord, you know? Because he knows I'm hard-headed, right? So, uh, and what he taught me about Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is he taught me about Philippians 4.11 and 12, where it says, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. So I've learned how to get by, I've learned how to celebrate when I'm up, and I've learned how to suffer with Jesus because it's all gain when things are down. And I've learned the secret of being filled, but also being hungry. So now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see that? So that'll tell you a pretty good, that'll give you a pretty good idea of this past season in my life. And I, even the past couple of years since I moved in that house, I feel like I've just been getting threshed and winnowed, like beyond. I mean, just creamed, you know? And it's all good with Jesus, but it hurts. And even when it hurts, it's still good. And we all know about those seasons. Uh, then you went into, you know, let him turn it to your favor. Uh, let him work it for your good. It's a new horizon with the mountains in the background. Looking, um, and I, I just want Jesus. Just, just take this world. Give me Jesus, and and that is a really good lead-in. I think the Holy Spirit was just, he was just scattering seed already. Just, I'm like, I'm sitting there going, Lord, you're so good. You're gonna, you're gonna make me look good again. Well, this time, this is great. Just doing all the work for me. Um. I have this long, sprawling, tangled, painful message in me today. And I don't even know how it's going to come out. Especially I'm like looking at the clock. I'm like, I better hurry up. Um, God has sent me as a messenger today. That's what he told me. He said he sent me here for two reasons, to this house that I love, that I will be departing from soon, but, you know, always connected and, and, uh, and he said, I have sent you to commend and to commission. To commend and to commission. And I was like, ooh, Lord, this sounds important. 
And he started, you know, opening it up for me. And he said, well, first, actually, I want to make this extremely clear because I might get somewhat frank today, right, in, in the process of, of, of me sharing what's on my heart. And I don't want the enemy, I don't, I don't want to give the enemy a place to use that against anyone here, right? Because the enemy would like to take a word of God and turn it against you and say, well, well, oh, what he's saying, but you haven't done that. Or you missed this chance. You know what I mean? I just, I want to cut him off ahead of time. Uh, and I, I want to, I want to make that really clear because I want to guard every heart here against how he might try to twist my words into an accusation or a criticism. Because the word commend is the exact opposite of a criticism. He told me that there's two groups of people here today that he could put, you know, he could separate the whole room into two groups. And he said there's a group that he wants to commend, but there's also a group that he wants to commission. Commission. To commend means to praise formally or officially, to praise, to compliment, to congratulate, to applaud, to sing the praises of, to take one's hat off to, uh, to pat, pat you on the back, you know? I think we all need that from the Lord. And uh, I think for some of us, he may want to commend us for something very specific, something extraordinary, you know? Uh, maybe there was a trial that we faced, and and we were victorious in the Lord. You know, uh, I always say miracles are not man man's victories. Those are in the hands of God. You know what man's victory is? To bless those who curse you. To pray for those who abuse you. Um. To choose patience when you're triggered and everything else inside you wants to self-defend, right? I mean, there's, these are man's victories. And so I believe that there's, there's some people that he may want to commend for something very specific along those lines. He may want to commend you for simply just dragging yourself out of bed today. And, and I know that's like, I say that jokingly in a sense, but I'm, I'm dead serious though. He may seriously just want to commend you that you have been by the last, the, the, the last thread of your willpower going about what you need to daily just to care for your family, just to like stay moving forward. And, uh, and I think the word for you that I have is that you haven't been contending for a result, you've been contending for faith. Jesus says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Do you get that? Because I don't put my faith in a result. Otherwise, it's in a created thing. I put my faith in the one who brings the result. Because that's where it belongs. And that means I might be like Paul says, we are here being slaughtered all day long. Which would be part of the message when he says, pick up your cross. He may be wanting to commend you for holding on. He may want to commend you for doing the best that you could without him for as long as you did. And 
here he is holding out his hands in invitation saying like, hey, you really just need to let go. You need to give this to me. And I commend you for your strength. But I need you to be weak now with me so I can be strong for you. You see what I'm saying? Like he, he comes to commend. Everyone here gets commended today. That's, that's my point. This is what the Lord told me. And if you'll let him, he will do that. If you'll open your heart today, he wants to commend you. Do you understand? He wants, to, he wants to celebrate. He wants to throw a party in heaven over your life today. He wants to commend you. All right? So keep your heart open to receive that. And then the other side of the message today is commission, which means to appoint. And it comes from the Latin word, which means to entrust. To entrust. So some of y'all are about to get commissioned today. I don't know what that means for you. He, he's probably even speaking to you right now. He's probably already dropped it right on, some of you. Some of you might know what he's about to talk to you about. Some of you might be completely shocked by what he's about to do. But there's a commission. Mm. Part of the journey is that in order to serve Jesus and to follow Jesus, it is incredibly painful. That's like, that's the reality. You know what it says in Zechariah 4? It says, O great mountain, speaking to this Mountains were symbolic of powers and kingdoms and kings and things that were just so much bigger than we are. And God speaks to the mountain. He says, oh, great mountain, you will become like a plain before Zerubbabel. Right? This whole mountain is about to come down before Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel... If you look up the derivation of the word, it does mean the seed of Babylon. People know the history of the church, uh, history of the Jewish people. They were uh, exiled into Babylon. Many of them were destroyed. It was a terrible time for Israel. Horrible. Horrifying. But there was a remnant that remained. And if they would have heard the name Zerubbabel, they would have, they would have understood that we are the seed of Babylon. We are the people of the promise. We're the remnant that the Lord has kept for himself. But they would also understand that if you look deep enough into the, into the meaning of the word, what Zerubbabel actually means is the one who is willing to be threshed and winnowed. Does, does everybody know about what the threshing and the winnowing is about? Where you beat the, you, you beat the wheat and you throw it in the air. So you got you to beat it and then toss it in the air and the wind blows the shaft away. This is the process that we're all invited to as we follow Jesus. Everybody's like, I don't know about this message. This guy, he was good until about five minutes ago. You guys with me, though? Um, 
It's painful process. Who is willing? Who's willing to go through that process for Jesus? When you, when you hear this song, you laid your life down for me. And you look at Jesus. And you return. Return to the Gospels. Reread the suffering of Christ. Reread it. Even before the cross. Where people are like, he's completely unrecognized. They don't believe him for who he is. Everybody questions him. They, they speak terrible things about him. They stab him in the back. They betray him. Jesus. And then they torture him, whip him until his bones show through his skin, beat him, humiliate him, spit on him, rip his beard out, nail him to a cross. He suffocates on his own blood. I mean, this is the suffering of Christ. If you return to it again and reread it, you can see it through new eyes. I remember the last time I did this was maybe like eight months ago. I wept like a baby in my living room. Swept, swept again. It was just fresh. It was a renewal. Remembering, like coming to that point, like, Jesus, you laid your life down for me. Why would you do that? Right? This is a painful process. Are we willing to, to go through a painful process for him? What does it look like? What does it amount to in the future? In the earth right now, in the earth, I feel like a war has been fought over my life over the past couple of years. And I'm talking, I, listen, we all have a war being fought over our lives. But some days it's like Gaza on any other day. And then some days it's like Gaza yesterday. Right? You guys familiar with, you, you know what's going on in Israel right now? Have, have you looked at the atrocities and like, I mean, it is, it is violent and it is terrible. And it is like, my heart was broken yesterday. I woke up in the morning and I was travailing. I didn't know why. It was like every time I got close to God, like I just started to weep. And then I found out why. And we're talking about like women, children, innocent lives, like terrible things. And then we're talking about like, we're talking about the Iranian parliament standing united, all of them screaming death to Israel, death to America, after we just sent them $6 billion. This is what we're talking, we're talking about like the state of the world right now. I said I would get a little frank because I feel like there's an unction on what's taking place. And hear me, I'm not saying like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. No one will know the time or the day. And I'm sure that when the Holocaust was happening and World War II, I'm sure everybody was standing up going, this has to be it. Hitler has to be the Antichrist, right? Or like all the way down through history, like we've seen things like this happen. But the birth pangs are getting closer. And the war against Jesus is getting way more visible and way more tangible. So there's a gravity to the situation. And I'm saying sometimes the war is ever-present, like in, in Gaza, how it is on a daily basis. And there's aggressions on both ends. I'm not pointing any fingers. This is not a political message, right? This is not a... a there, is, there is no divisive spirit in me, no contentious spirit. I'm for all of, of all of God's loved ones. He loves everyone, right? But I feel like the past couple years have been it's, it, like Israel yesterday over my life. 
And people that know me well, I've walked in the light with and shared that with, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people in this house I've walked very closely with. And even this morning, I was just under pressure from the enemy. And I'm like, man, this message that I'm carrying must be, must be important. And I don't even know who, who it's meant to reach, right? Or I'm disobedient. And the commission carries a weight. So that when you follow Jesus, your margin for error gets way smaller. That's just a reality. And I'm just, and I feel the unction of the Lord on me right now. And God is like calling out. He's reaching out for people right now because he needs his people. He needs his people to arise. Like this is the time. Like this is not, you hear me? And he, and that, that call is an invitation to be threshed and winnowed. So sound, does that sound fun? Don't get me wrong. There's joy and hope and peace in it all. I mean, I'll, I'll weep over. I mean, you read about the martyrs, right? In the New Testament, you read, you read about the martyrs, and I'll weep. I'll weep over that because they had, like, utter joy and hope and peace in the midst of it. It's supernatural, right? And, and I'm not saying that we're meant to live, like, a life of a monk and, like, in trudgery and, you know, live under a bridge. Like, this is not what I'm talking about. I have dreams. I'm, I'm writing a seven-book series right now, fictional series. We're releasing a clothing line next year, me and my wife. Like, I have dreams to, like, do stuff to, like, to, that God is leading me in to like make things happen in the earth for the kingdom of God. So I, I just hope you hear me, you know what I mean? And my, I have a little boy who I treasure, who I love every day. Is like, there's just so much joy around him. He also really kicks my butt, but you know, it's like, I mean, there's so much joy and love. And so hear me, I'm not a doomsayer. I hope you hear my message. But what I'm saying is, there is a commission, man, and there is an invitation. And when you take it, it's going to hurt. And it should. You know why? Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy of it. And I want to share a little bit of the commission just from a personal point of view, just to give you an idea. So, I'm in the gym, late September 2019. My wife has just gotten pregnant for the first time. <clears throat> I'm in the gym, minding my own business. God speaks to me very clearly. He says, Craig, I want you to be in Seattle on October 19th. Never done that with me before. Never said, be in a city that you don't know about on this day. Clear as day, clear as a bell. I was like, wow, that's super interesting. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, is that you or is that me, Jesus? It was like, that was the Lord. Okay, one of those moments. Um, he doesn't tell me anything else. I think about it. I try and reason it out. 
then I'm just like, you know what? There's just obedience that's involved in the commission. And so I just bought the ticket. And then he started telling me why. This is how it'll work. This is how the commission works. It's a walk by faith. All right? So some people might have just brushed that off. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Right? So I buy the ticket. He starts talking to me about it. Seattle ends up being like one of the, it's ground zero for one of the major spiritual battles that's being fought over the hearts of this nation. Believe it or not, it's happening in Seattle. Of all places, had no idea. If you want to know what's going on in Seattle, there's an hour-long uh, documentary. It's called Seattle is Dying. That'll give you a little glimpse. But we're talking about, like, drug-infested, homeless crises, like, zombie-like demoniacs, Gadarenes demoniacs, all everywhere. And I've been third-world countries, grew up in New York City. I mean, I know demoniacs, right? And I'm talking about, I went up to Seattle, and I have never seen demoniacs like that before. I'm talking about demons walk right up to you and talk to you. Just talk right to you. Because they're so free up there because they have so much power, so much authority. Because those that are in power have given them authority. And I'm not going to go too deep into that because I don't have a lot of time. But I started learning about that. And so I flew up to Seattle uh, during, uh, during that weekend. And... A lot of crazy supernatural things that happened, but one of the things that happened is while I was up there, I realized it was the Feast of Tabernacles. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. I don't know a lot about the feast, believe it or not. I just really, you know, if I read about it, but, you know, I didn't go take a deep dive. And so I look up October 19th, and it happens to be Hashanah Rabbah, all right, which is the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the final day of the feast. On this day, the priests would walk around the Ark of the Covenant seven times and cry out, God, save us. God, save us. God, save us. That's Hosanna. Hosanna, save us. Right? I realize that's why I'm there. Do you understand? God is going to have to persuade you of who you are in the kingdom of God and who you are in him in order for you to operate in the authority that he's called you to. Because he's going to tell you to do crazy stuff. You know what he told me to do? He said, I have called you here on this day to stand ground zero on the war that's taking place in America and to cry out for me to save you. And that's what I did with two other people in a, in a tiny little room. It wasn't a big celebration. I wasn't on a huge platform. There weren't 10,000 people in a stadium waiting to hear me talk. And I stood and I cried out, God, we Jesus, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you. We need you. We need you. It's got to be you. It's got to be you. I mean, I'm like getting messed up. You understand? Crying out. It's got to be you. There's no one else, Jesus. It has to be you. Save us, God. Save us. It's like one of those moments. Nothing happens. There's no, like, crazy breakthrough in the nation. You know what I'm saying? Nothing changes. You know, no angel appears to me or anything. Girl I was with got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was cool. She's like, right in the middle. I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving. You know? Like, I mean, there were supernatural, like, there were manifestations of what God was doing. But I'm telling you, I didn't feel any different. I'm even going home like, oh, man, what am I doing up here? Is this, like, real? You know, I'm having those moments because I'm human. And God is persuading me. 
Let me stop there for a second. The word believe in the Bible is pisteo, and it means to be persuaded. So you will not believe until God persuades you of it. His job. You'll believe after he persuades you. Your only job, are you giving him enough time that he can actually persuade you? Are you actually paying attention to what he's saying so he can actually persuade you? So he's persuading me, though, this whole time. This is what this, this whole thing is. On the way home, I'm in the airport. Walking to, I look, and I see a Bigfoot stuffed animal, right? Because they're pretty big up there in that area, Bigfoot, right? I'm like, this is so cute. This is definitely, I'm definitely going to bring this home to the baby. My wife is pregnant. I brought it home. My wife said, this toy looks like it's for a boy, but we're going to have a girl. Right? She was like, I'm like, ah, well, whatever, we'll see. Bigfoot. <clears throat> a few weeks later, we lose that baby. And uh, super painful, super painful experience. Just, uh, gosh, man. It was like the death of a promise, you know. Uh, and then God had spoken some things to me about the child, and his word is my reality. So it was like the death of those words. It was super painful watching my wife suffer through that. Just the physical aspect, the emotional aspect for her is incredibly painful. And over the next two years, we would lose two more babies, miscarriages. Three miscarriages over the next three, two years. Extremely painful. Extremely painful period in time in my life. People that are very close to me that told me I'm family, they betray me. They leave us right in the midst of it. They leave us in like the moment when we needed them most. It was like the enemy just got us, man. You know, sometimes like you will hurt. Painful. There were times when I couldn't even speak to God. I was like, you keep giving me words. You keep giving me promises. You keep giving me these, these beautiful little babies. I can't even talk to you right now. I remember the third time I was, uh, it was the morning. I hadn't spoken to God in about two weeks. Now hear me, we're, I'm always with him, right? So like it, his word is always on my heart and I'm like always like, but I mean, I didn't sit down to like have coffee with Jesus for two weeks. Like he was in the room and I was walking by like, oh man, I can't talk to you. You know, having those types of moments, like just like broken. So I sit down that morning and I, I'm trying to worship him and I'm just, and it's not working for me, but I'm like really trying to press in. And as I'm doing that, the father comes to me. He just walks in the room, clear as day. He says to me, he says, Craig, I am so sorry. And I said, all right, well, yeah, dad, I, I know that you're sorry. And he said, shh, shh, let me finish. He said, Craig, I am so sorry. But right now, I am bringing you into my heart. And when he said that, it felt like I got hit in the stomach with a baseball bat. And I bent over in half and, ah! and a groan came out of me that lasted like 10 minutes. I'm telling you, it just went on and on and on, weeping and groaning. And what happened when he, when he hit me like that was that I saw like these planets, like multiple planets just covered in gravestones. And they were all the children, his children, that had never received their promises in him. 
He brought me directly into his heart. And I realized that day, I realized that the father is the one person who least gets the desires of his heart met, of anyone. Because it says that it is not the father's will that even a single one should perish. How far away are we? And I thought he was coming to console me, and he was, but the way he consoled me was he opened up a door in his heart and he sucked me into his own pain. And I sat there and travailed in the pain of the father. Since then, he will just come upon me and I'll just be able to weep. I'll be able to just weep in moments for like, like yesterday morning when I woke up and I don't know why, and I'm just, I'm just weeping. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because I'm so like, I'm so connected to his heart in this area. It was a gift he gave me. Heidi Baker says that, you know, in the father's house, there are many mansions. In those mansions are many rooms. When you enter a room, you have access to it for the rest of, for the rest of eternity. That room is always yours. She went into rooms where they were like, New eyes and new ears and limbs, and she sees the blind receive sight and deaf ears opened and babies grow back limbs all the time. She sees amazing miracles. And it was because of the invitation to be threshed and winnowed. The story continued, and that's when God came and started to speak some very hard lessons to me. He showed me that uh, I had been ignorant to things that he had told me, I, um, he showed me where there were agreements in my own life with the spirit of death, and I had given this demon access. It was also generational to the lives of my children. So the enemy was able to kill three children in my wife's womb. I'm not saying that that's the case for every time. I'm saying that this was the case for me. When God first started telling me about this, I said, Lord, I said, if, I, if what you're saying to me is true, it's going to break my heart. I'm not going to be able to hear it if I go directly at it. But I want everything that you have to say to me. I want all of your correction. I am not an illegitimate child. I want it all. So you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to show me, but you're going to have to come like through a back door. I'm just not going to be able to go straight at this. And, uh, and he did. He came and showed me. Now, the very first thing he said to me out of Proverbs, he said, Craig, when you enter the house of a ruler... Do not eat of his delicacies. A ruler is a principality. Ephesians 6.12. It's the most upper level of the demonic realm. It says, when you enter the house of a ruler, do not eat of his delicacies. If you are a man of appetite, you better put a knife to your throat. Meaning, one wrong move and it's over. And I'd been, I'd entered the house of a ruler where he positioned me in the heavenly realm, because I'd received an invitation from God, I'd accepted a commission, and I was ignorant, and I was immature, and I did not heed the word of the Lord, and it brought the enemy in, and the enemy desires to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm telling you that as you answer a commission, your room for error will get smaller. That's not a fear tactic, that's, not, that's just a reality. I think it's important to understand that. So I dealt with it. I dealt with it. I did some very radical things God told me to do. I dealt with this uh, access and authority the Spirit had to our lives. And my wife got pregnant a fourth time. 
Now, at first, they told us the baby would be due on September 24th, 2021. Uh, God confirmed his name for us. His name is Banner, like the, Lord, like the banner of the Lord. He gave us his name, uh, and the verse that he attached to his name was Isaiah 31.9. It is the most, I'm like, wow, this is who my son is. It says, and the, enemy, the generals of the enemy's armies will be terrified when they see God's battle flag. I was like, this is my boy? Woo! <laughs> I'm like, Lord, help me. He, and he is like, he is that. He is like, he wipes the floor with me on a regular basis. <laughs> Holy moly. So God confirms his name for me. And we were thinking about the second, we were thinking about the middle name. I'm like, what is it going to be? What is it going to be? And my wife chooses Isaiah. And I'm like, yes, I love Isaiah. Isaiah is my guy. That, that's the book that I'm in every day, every day. You know, I love the whole Bible. And even like Deuteronomy and Numbers. And, but, you know, Isaiah is where I get fed. Like there's this unction and life in Isaiah for me. And, uh, and I'm like, yes, Isaiah. It's definitely Banner Isaiah Groshans. Absolutely. That's who he is. And the day that we decided on his name. I go to sit down at my desk and my wife had pulled that old, that old, that Bigfoot stuffed animal out that I bought on October 19th, right? Hashanah in 2019, and I look at his foot, and there it is right on his foot, B-I-G. And God, and in that moment, God said, I have this whole thing mapped out. I really will turn everything to your good if you'll let me. If you'll just follow me, if you'll just pay attention, just be aware of what I'm doing. You know that's the only reason why I'm here is because I have an awareness it's because I'm not going to be distracted. I get distracted. A lot. But I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to do what's necessary to bring myself back into alignment. And I see that. And I'm like, God, you have this whole thing mapped out. Right at the very beginning, even before we went through that whole painful season, he's like, I have a promise for you. You will have a son. His name is Banner Isaiah Groshans. It was right there. About two weeks to the due date, the doctor goes, golly gee, this is so strange. It's not the 24th, it's actually the 27th. I don't know why we've been telling you that. It's so weird. And I'm like, huh. So I go home, and I have this sudden just revelation from God. And I'm like, are we in the Feast of Tabernacles again? And I look it up. And, and uh, September 27th in 2021 is again, two years later is Hashanah Rabbah. Two years later, because you know the, the Hebrew calendar is different than ours, and so it changes. And I'm going, wow. Now, it's very rare that a child is born on his due date, but I'm going, God, if this kid is born on his due date, you and me are going to have some serious conversations. Because <laughs> there is a lot more going on here than I originally thought. I thought I was just up there just saying, hey, save us, Lord. You know, we need you. And I'm like, wow, there's some really crazy stuff happening right now. Um, he's born on his due date, September 27th, 2021. On Hashanah Rabbah, on the day that I was in Seattle crying out for him, crying out for, you know, for Jesus to save us. 
on Hashanah Rabbah, well, let me back up a second. On the Feast of Tabernacles, what the priests would do is for seven days in a row, they would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would take pitchers of water and they would carry it up and they would pour it out on the altar of the temple. And, and they would celebrate and worship and pray and connect and like just, it was just a big party, but there was also just a complete demonstration of worship and love towards God as the people of God. And basically what they were praying for, for seven days, was for the waters of salvation, right? For the living water to come. And, uh, and what they've been praying for is for the Messiah, right? They've been praying for the Messiah. But on the last day, they would walk around the ark and they would cry out seven times, God save us, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And now you understand why they're crying Hosanna, Hosanna, when Jesus is riding a donkey, into Jerusalem, we're going, Hosanna, son of David, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now you know why. Because God is answering them in that moment. And you, and you know that, that God saves, you know what God saves in Hebrew is, right? Yeshua, Jesus. That's what his name means. God saves. So... They're crying out, God save us, and God is answering, here's my son Jesus. You can't miss this stuff if you're a Jew. That's the crazy part. When you read the Gospels through an understanding of all this stuff, you're like, how do they miss it? You're like, because there was a veil. This is what Paul was saying. He's like, God, you could blot me out of the Lamb's Book of Life. You would just save my people. The angels are like, whoa, Paul. Slow down. You're the apostle to the Gentiles, dude. What the heck? Do you ever notice that? Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. The first place he goes to preach is the temple. They beat him. They stone him. He's like, I'm covered in scars. God's like, yeah. Obviously. I'm going over a little, John. John 7, 37 and 38 it is the seventh day. It says, now on that day, the great day of the feast, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The, he who believes in me, he who is persuaded by me to believe in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is why, you know, people are like, Jesus never called himself the Messiah. I'm like, that's all he does the whole time in the New Testament. He's like, it's me. It's me. My son is born on that day. And there's all these tie-ins for me, like the, the ministry that God gave me is streams of Arabah, the waters that flow in the dead place. I mean, I'm just like, you understand, I'm finding this out, and I'm just like, Jaw on the floor. I'm like, I can't believe God is doing all this. This is really crazy stuff. What is he doing? He's persuading me. He needs me to be persuaded. If I don't believe him, none of this works. Right? Do you understand how intentional, the intentional love of a father to come and to just like, it's like an Easter egg hunt. Like the most magical, incredible Easter egg hunt that you've ever been on in your entire life. And, and I feel like part of the wake-up call is like, hey, stop stepping over the eggs. Right? Like, stop stepping over them. Don't let the enemy distract you too much. 
the next day, the next day, September 28th, it's my wife's birthday. Do you understand how crazy this is? He set this up, man. How does he do that? How does he do that? The next day is my wife's birthday. So my son's born on the 27th. My wife is born on the 28th. All right? The next day is Shemini Etzeret, which just simply means the eighth day. <laughs> Sorry, baby. You just got the, not the crazy one, but the, the crazy one's for Banner. But. No, but it's, it's the ceremony of lights. On the eighth day, it wasn't a part of Feast of Tabernacles. It was like the eighth day where everybody lingers. They're like, man, that was the best thing ever. I don't want to go home yet. Could we spend a little more time? And so like, yeah, let's make the eighth day special too, you know? So they, they have this eighth day ceremony of lights. There's these four, four tall menorahs that like reach all the way up to the sky with these four spouts. And these four priests, like these big, you know, young priests have to climb to the top of these towers with these ridiculously huge pitchers of oil they got to fill these menorahs with the oil and they light them up and it lights the whole city up man the whole temple it's crazy this is what they're doing on the eighth day and so you understand jesus stands amongst them on the eighth day and he says john 8 12 i am the light of the world that's he's like constantly he's like guys it's me I am the light of the world. He who follows me, here's your promise for those that are about to get commissioned. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What? Sign me up, man. Let's go. This is taking place on September 28, 2021. It's my wife's birthday. Her name is Svetlana. Her name literally means light in Russian. I can't make this stuff up, you understand? Why is he doing this? Is it because I'm special? No. No one is more special than anyone else. I think he's doing it for everyone. It's just how much are we paying attention? How much have you been persuaded yet? I'm telling you that we need, we need you all right now, man. In every situation where you are, we need you. Like the whole earth needs us right now. Do you hear me? Like the whole earth needs people of God. Like wherever you're at. Like God has you right where you're at for a reason. And if you go in Joel, Joel 2, and you read about Joel's army, you understand it says this army was coming over the hills and they looked like one organism, like one body. They looked like one organism. And it says they were terrified. It says each one ran in their own lane. None of them jostled the other. That's who we are. Like there's a commission to that though. The commission is not the reason for what he does. Super important. The commission is not the reason for what he's doing and how he's, how he's drawing you close and setting all this up. The reason for that is love and relationship. 
you were, you were created by God to be loved by him. The commission is the overflow of that intimacy. What is my commission? I'm going to be really honest with y'all. Some of y'all already think I'm a heretic anyway, so we're good. My commission is that I am a forerunner of the 144,000 spoken of in the book of Revelation. I'm not going to go deep into that. It's a whole lot of theology and eschatology attached to that. But I am a forerunner of the 144,000. Everything I do is to plow a path for them to walk in. I know that. But what is my greatest commission? God told me that there is a destiny coming down my wife's bloodline that her father never walked in. He was a really rough guy. Russian mafia, like, bad stuff, man. And just, the enemy just got him, man. Now he hurt everybody that he loved. There's a destiny that he never walked in. The enemy stole his destiny in the earth, but his mantle has passed to my son. I sat with the Lord one day, and God started speaking to me about who my wife's father was supposed to be. And it wrecked me. And he said, it's your commission. He said, I am commissioning you to steward your son into the love of Jesus. So he'll know how to wear that mantle that I'm going to put on him. And I know that my son is one of God's answers to that prayer I prayed up in Seattle. And I know that in my bones. <laughs> Do I sound like I'm persuaded? <laughs> Yesterday was Shemini Yatzeret. Yesterday was the eighth day. And that was the day that these atrocities took place in Israel and horrible things. Again, I'm not saying that there's not aggressors on both sides, but if you go and you like, so you have to go to social media. I'm not telling you, but, but I'm just, be careful. It's super graphic, but I'm telling you, you have to go to social media because the media doesn't really tell you what's going on. There's a lean and a bent and you know what I mean? If you go to social media, you'll see what people are posting. You'll see what Hamas is posting. It's horrid. It was like children, women, young girls. And it's like, I'm, you know, hear me. It's like, this is just a great evil. I'm not saying, hear me. This is like, this stuff happens on both sides. I'm, to, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like people versus people, Jew versus Muslim or, or, or America versus Russia. Or I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about demons versus God. Like, he hates God so much that he desecrates us because God loves us so much. And he gets us to do it to each other. And so we need a city on a hill. Do you hear me? 
Like, we need a city on a hill, which is who y'all are. It says in Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Like, and let me tell you something. They had to climb up that, those huge menorahs and they had to pour all that oil. They had to pour all that oil in the lamp to light it up. Are you making the climb that's necessary to fill your lampstand with the oil? Because you got to shine, man. You hear how this is not an accusation. I said that on the front end. Do not let the enemy enter in. This is where you messed up. This is why you'll never do it. You're not a special. Blah, 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 blah. No, this is the Lord coming. I have commended every single person in this room. This is not about where you're at or what you've missed or what you haven't done. This is about who you are and who I say you are and what I'm going to do in you. And I'm not finished until I call you home and that's it. You're always here and I will always use you. Now, there's some people that are here that are about to get commissioned. John, how do you want to do that? You want to call up some worshipers for a second and just let people hear what God is saying? I love you guys. I really love, I love this house so much. This has been, I was telling John, I'm leaving Dallas soon, and this has been, like, I have a real sadness in my heart about, like, stepping away from people here and this house. And I'm not, you know, I'm not leaving. I'm not departing, but stepping away. I won't be able to see John on a regular basis, and I won't be able to go to the guild, you know, on a regular basis, and hit up Axiom and hang out with everybody, you know. But uh, I really, this is my final piece. I look at this house and from the people I've gotten to know, I'm like, don't be, don't get it misconstrued. The Joel's army, they're running in their own lanes. Not, uh, there's a very small percentage of them that are on like stages and platforms and like, that's not for everybody. Like don't let the enemy try and, and, convince you that what you're doing isn't important and special. Let him talk to you about that.